last chapter, we talked about uh, leprosy. And we're going to continue talking about leprosy in this chapter. The last chapter was the longest one in the book of Leviticus, 59 verses. And this is the second longest, 57 verses. <laughs> so hang in with me as we talk about something that could seem a bit dull, leprosy. And we stick there for 57 verses. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall go out of the camp. The priest shall examine him. Behold, if the plague of leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two living clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. The priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood, the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. He shall sprinkle on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird go into the open field. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp, but shall dwell outside his tent seven days. It shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair. He shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his body in water. Then he shall be clean. On the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without defect, one ewe lamb a year old without defect, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a meal offering mixed with oil and one log of oil. The priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and those things before Yahweh at the door of the tent of meeting. The priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer him for a trespass offering with the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before Yahweh. He shall kill the male lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering, in the place of the sanctuary. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering it is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. The priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before Yahweh. The priest shall put some of the rest of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot upon the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed and the priest shall make atonement for him before Yahweh. The priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed because of his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. Then the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meal offering on the altar. The priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. If he is poor and can't afford so much, then he shall take one male lamb for a trespass offering to be waived, or make atonement for him, 
and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a meal offering, and a log of oil. On two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford, and the one shall be a sin offering, and the other a burnt offering. On the eighth day, he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest, to the door of the tent of meeting before Yahweh. The priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering, and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before Yahweh. He shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before Yahweh. Then the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his right hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before Yahweh. He shall offer one of the turtle doves or of the young pigeons, whichever he is able to afford, of the kind he is able to afford, the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering with the meal offering. The priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before Yahweh. This is the law for him in whom is the plague of leprosy, who is not able to afford the sacrifice for his cleansing. Moses spoke to Yahweh and to Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for a possession, and I put a spreading mildew in a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, There seems to me to be some sort of plague in the house. The priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to examine the plague. That all is in the house not be made unclean. Afterwards, the priest shall go in to inspect the house. He shall examine the plague, and behold, if the plague is in the walls of the house, with hollow streaks, greenish or reddish, and it appears to be deeper than the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. The priest shall come again on the seventh day, and look, if the plague has spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take out the stones in which is the plague and cast them into an unclean place out of the city. He shall cause the inside of the house to be scraped all over. They shall pour out the mortar that they scraped off outside of the city into an unclean place. They shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and shall plaster the house. If the plague comes again, and breaks out in the house after he has taken out the stones, and after he has scraped the house, and after it was plastered, then the priest shall come in and look, and behold, if the plague has spread in the house, it is a destructive mildew in the house, it is unclean. He shall break down the house, its stones and its timber, and all the house's mortar, he shall carry them out of the city into an unclean place. Moreover, he who goes into the house while it is shut up shall be unclean until the evening. He who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. If the priest shall come in and examine it, and behold, the plague hasn't spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean 
because the plague is healed. To cleanse the house, he shall take two birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. He shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. He shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet and the living bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the running water and with the living bird, with the cedar wood and the hyssop and with the scarlet. But he shall let the living bird go out of the city into the open field. So he shall make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. This is the law for any plague of leprosy and for an itch and for the destructive mildew of a garment and for a house and for a swelling and for a scab and for a bright spot to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> I had some mildew in my house recently and this chapter, the first half talked about the process of cleansing from the leprosy and the second half talked about mildew. And when I saw mildew in my house recently and I'd just been thinking about all these things, I thought, oh no. <laughs> you know, if in Old Testament times, I would have had to have gotten the priest to come and check. And fortunately in my house, it was in the lino and underneath the lino, the people who laid the lino in the 1940s, well, they'd lie, laid many layers of lino, but under that was all this newspaper from the 1940s. And the mildew had gone down through the newspaper, but it hadn't quite reached the actual house. So thank God. And I'd prayed, you know, Lord, let the mildew not be in the house. Well, the Lord heard my prayers in advance before time. And in the 1940s, <laughs> those people put down so much newspaper that it never got into my house. So I was able to throw that all away and have a clean house. But you can see how serious mildew is in that, you know, it could get, people can get sick from mildew. They can get diseases that can be, even be fatal. And you can see how seriously God took all these things back in, in these days of the children of Israel. But I want to talk about leprosy, um, for, I guess, from a spiritual point of view. We realize here that lepers were not allowed to be in the camp. But if one of them was healed, the priest would go out of the camp. So they wouldn't like let the leper come back into the camp to, um, to be examined by the priest just in case he was wrong. The priest had to go out of the camp to the leper and, be, and then examine them. And if he was clean, then there was this process. But because leprosy was an incurable disease, um, the only way they could be healed was a miracle. So the process that's described here isn't a process for obtaining healing. It's a process of what they would do to make them ceremonially clean after they were healed. In other words, the leper had no choice but to just cry out to God for mercy. And obviously, people were healed. We see in the New Testament that there was some several stories where Jesus healed lepers and Jesus would say to them, go show yourself to the priest. This is following the laws of this example. And um, so there were examples where if people came to Jesus or they came, you know, in the Old Testament, they go directly to God, they appeal for mercy, they could be healed. And the same today. We do get healing from the Lord when we go to him. But what we really wanted to consider in this chapter is the spiritual implications of this. Because um, really, you know, even though there were practical reasons for all these things back then, what they're getting at is a deeper truth. 
And the deeper truth is that, that leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. And when a person gets sin in them, and everyone does, it's like the disease of leprosy in that it's incurable. You can't get it out of you. You can do your best to be clean. You can try to overcome it, but you can't. You could, you know, with leprosy, you could have it on your skin. You could scrape it off. You could, you could even like, if you had leprosy in your hand, you could even chop your hand off. But next thing, the leprosy would reappear. You couldn't get rid of it. It was, it was terribly infectious. And that's the reason why they had to exclude them. That's the reason why there were leper colonies like Molokai Island that I talked to you about in the last chapter. And so this leprosy, it's a picture of this nasty thing that's so infectious that you can't get rid of. And that's why it's a picture of sin. And basically what what we're seeing here is that each and every person, we're lepers, and we've been excluded from God's presence because we, we have got something that's so fatal, so terrible, that it, we cannot be in God's presence, that we're unclean. And um, we're infected. It's an infectious, incurable disease, and we deserve to be isolated, and that's, that's, that, there's nothing we can do about it. But in this chapter, we're seeing that some people were healed when they cried out to God for mercy. The only place they could go was God. They were excluded, but some people would cry out to God, and they were miraculously healed. And that's why this chapter is here. It's for these people who were miraculously healed and suddenly they were cured of this incurable disease. And then they would come to the priest and, and present themselves and there'd be a process for, for entering back into society. In other words, a process to be included. Earlier in the book of Leviticus, we were talking about all the sacrifices, you know, for the forgiveness of sins. But what we're talking about now is not just forgiveness for sin, but the cure for sin. We're talking about something at a whole nother level. Because each of us, we sin, but then we, we sin again, we sin again. So what we've got is a, a malady or something that causes us to be in this perpetual state of being not good enough. So we come to the cross and in the cross, we should be able to be not only be forgiven, but be cured of sin. And thank God that is a Bible position. In the, in the book of 1 John 1, 8 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, it's not just only about being forgiven, but it's about being cleaned. And getting to this state where the, the grip of sin on our lives is broken. You know, there are, there are people that, that have struggled with, with certain things, but in the cross... They come to the point where the power of that thing over them is just completely broken. I've known people in ministry over the years who've struggled with various sins, like, for example, alcoholism. And they might have struggled with that. One man I knew struggled with alcoholism for f like 40 years. But then the grip of it was broken in his life through the help of Christ. And then he, he carried on, but that thing had no power over him anymore. What causes just to change? What causes someone to struggle with a thing for so long and then all of a sudden there's no power in it anymore? Well, that's, you go to the Lord 
and you get grace to be cleansed from something that, that it's an incurable disease, but all of a sudden you're cured. Or people might have struggled with gambling or pornography, or there are other addictions. There are things that, that every human has things that they struggle with. They might not be the same for every person, but there are all of us, there are things that, that have a grip on us and you have to go to the cross and you have to bring it to the Lord and get the power of that thing broken in your life just like this whole illustration of the leper. None of us are acceptable to God. We're all unclean, but we can go to the Lord and not just be forgiven, but have the power of that thing broken in our life. Thank God. <laughs> and so here we, here in the book of Leviticus, in chapter 14, Christ makes an appearance. And you know, first of all, he's there invisibly because in the desert, the leper has to appeal to God and the Christ is there healing. But then when the leper comes back, he has to bring these various offerings. And part of the process is these two birds that have to be offered. One of the birds is killed, but the other bird is let go. And right there is a picture of Christ. Christ died, the death of Christ, that's one bird. And Christ was risen and freed, freed from the grave. And that's the other bird. And you know, we have to appropriate both of those into our lives. It's not just enough for Christ's death to be there for the forgiveness of our sins. We have to appropriate the life of Christ into us so that we can live a new life for him. So we have a picture here of leprosy, a terrible incurable disease, but miraculously people were cured of it and they would offer these sacrifices that represent both the death and the res resurrection of Christ at work so that they are cured and acceptable to come into God's presence to be with the people of God. And so I just think this is a wonderfully powerful picture. It had practical effect there in the Old Testament, but it has a spiritual meaning for us right now in that you may be struggling with your sin. You may be unclean. And you know that God forgives you every time you ask him to, but you need to find a cure for this thing that's got a grip of you, and you can. You can find that cure in Christ, but you have to cry out to him. You have to be hungry for it. You have to bring your life and lay it down at the foot of the cross and let the wonder-working power of Christ work in you. And that's, Lord, what we ask for. We ask for your wonder-working power to be at work in us, not just for our forgiving, but for our cleansing. Lord, cure us of sin. Cure us of things that have a grip of our lives. Lord, cure us of addictions and secret sins and things that we're ashamed of. Lord, let your power be at work in every listener, every person who hears my voice today. Let the, the grace of God be extended to them in Jesus' name. Amen.